So I'm here with Lieutenant Reedman. Um, James, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, let's see. Uh, Lieutenant here at North Plainfield Fire Department, assigned to A Platoon. Uh, my captain is uh, Captain Pongratz. I've been, I got on the job here in 2001, July 2001, and I, it's, it's just been one great thing after another. I mean, it, there's some ups and downs, but when I look back on it, the, the scale of it all, it's just been an up. It's That's just great. been the most positive part of my life. That's being great. a member here, yeah. And you know, unless you're involved in this, it's, it's difficult for people to understand from the outside looking in how important this is, yeah. how huge this is. Yeah. The people you meet, the networking, just like we're doing right now. I remember being on my honeymoon and meeting someone who knew my mentor. Oh, that's we, great. we were in St. Lucia. I was like, he's like, oh, you know Ron Canterman? I said, yeah, I worked with Chief Canterman. Just couldn't believe that we, yeah. you know, just interconnected like that, thousands of miles away. It really is a small world. It, it's getting and, smaller by the minute. And it seems like our network is even, you know, as small as our network is, it's pretty, pretty big. Yeah. You know, we meet so many different people, and um, and we're, we're fortunate in that respect. Yes. And it's funny. Uh, I was looking for an extension cord, and and there was one against the wall back here, and I I, uh, I used it and I plugged in my phone, and, and uh, the LT starts laughing. And, and what did you say to me? I, it's 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 just amazing when you're comfortable in the fire service, you can just walk right in and start like just grab the the extension cord, plugged it in, didn't even ask, which is fine. Right. It's totally fine. <laughs> but that's that's the kind of you know when you walk into a fire station and they open the doors to you. Right. You can go anywhere. You, you can walk in, have lunch with the guys, whatever. It doesn't matter. Volunteer career, you know, it's it's an open house almost all the time, which is awesome. And, and that's what's truly great about this. It really is a family. Yeah. You know? And uh, I remember when I was young, I was 19 years old. Uh, I was in New York City, Engine 55, walking past, and you know, the brothers were outside, standing there. And, come on in. Come on. It wasn't no hesitation. Yeah. You know, yeah. come on in. You know. And uh, you know, I told Miles, I'm, I'm a fireman, stuff like, oh, come in. She gave me the tour of the house, and it's just, it was great, you know, being that young. I mean, obviously, when you're that age, you're, you're soaking it all in. Yeah, so I, you, I bet you it's like that around the world. I'd, I'd like to try that one time, go yeah. to like a London firehouse or even somewhere in Japan or something like that, just to check that out. It's funny, it is. you know, you watch, I'm sure, you know, you watch on, on Facebook, you'll see uh, everyone post pictures of, you know, wherever they're at around the world. You know? They have a picture of, of, you know, standing with four of firemen somewhere, yeah. at a firehouse somewhere, yeah. you know. Grab the T-shirt and go. Yeah, yep. it's it's good. It's it's good stuff. So LT, how did you uh, how'd you get involved in this? Well, actually, I have to blame my father on that one. Okay. Um, I was about 14 years old. Um, he was talking about joining up, and he did. Um, in fact, his big his first big fire was on my birthday later that year after he got done with the fire academy. Um, we both went to the same fire academy, uh, Piscataway. That's awesome. And uh, he invited me over to the firehouses. You know, you want to come over and detail his truck, which was like that was his thing. That right. that fit his meticulous attitude. So I went over there. I, oh God, I think we must have cleaned that rig until like my fingers bled. It was just <laughs> incredible. But I loved every second. I loved I, I loved the fact that I was doing that with my dad, which is always cool. Yeah. But I loved the fact that we had something to show at the end of it. So that was my first real. Uh, indication of like you know what hard work really can produce for you so right. I loved it I mean he brought and I didn't notice at first he just grabbed all the old toothbrushes what the heck do we need that for on all on it was an old Mac so on the outside skin of it, it had all these big Phillips head well I had this clean all the wax and compound out of each of the Phillips head. Wow. This thing looked better than it did when it came off the showroom floor. It was incredible. It was incredible. And that, that got me hooked into it. But I love that because, you know, he's instilling pride into you. Yeah. You know, at a young age. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, through the thick and thin, that that's just something that is, you know, I mu much respect for my father for that. And so. is your, your fire, he was a firefighter here? No, he was a firefighter in Piscataway. Um, okay. Both me and my brother and my father both started out on Possum Town Volunteer Fire Company. Okay. It was literally two blocks from my house. Right. So, you know, I could run there, you know, for whatever, you know, if I had to run there. Um, but it was it was nice having that. And it. And it was the center of the town for my entire life when I was a kid. You know, I'd see that same Mac that I cleaned up. Right. Riding around town, the guys hanging off the back of it, like, man, that just looks cool. That just looks cool. So it, it, it was always in the back of my mind, but I think when I went to go and speak to, you know, when I went with him that day to uh, to the firehouse to clean it for the parade, I, it just, I got launched into it. I, I'm hooked. Yeah. I'm hooked. And my grandmother said, she says, if, if you, if he gets a little bite of this, and she was right, she says, he's going to be hooked for the rest of his life. 
It's funny. It everyone I, I interview or run into, also they yeah. all say the same thing. You yep. Know, they, they, as soon as they get that hook in them, you know, there's no coming off. It's just you're on forever. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to say if it's a calling. I don't know if that's the right thing to I it. I think it, it is the right call. I yeah, think yeah. I yeah it, it just fit. It really yeah. just fit for me. So, and then how long were you on Possum Town? I was on there. Let's see, I started off as a cadet. I became after fire school um, in '92. I became a full-fledged firefighter in '93. So January, I graduated in December. Started in uh, January of '93, and that's really when my career started. My job started there. So I was there for till about 96, 97. Then we moved to Bridgewater and I was on Green Oil for a while. Okay. Um, I missed those. They're great guys. Station yeah. 2. Oh, they were the best guys. There's there some people that you, you don't get to pick who you work with, but you have to make it work. Absolutely. And that's what we do here. You know, it doesn't matter what the problems are between. Everyone has to work. But when you have that click, it makes a big difference in how it operates. So... I, I miss them. I miss them a lot. But, you know, the way things, the way life turns out, you know, I wound up moving down the shore. So I couldn't, you know, I had to resign respectively. But I miss them. I yeah. miss them a lot. They were good guys. Anybody there in particular that uh, Eddie Smith, uh, Joe, um, uh, God, it was a whole bunch of them. Uh, one of the guys that I, he passed away just recently, Mike Galay, Chief Galay. He was, uh, he's a firefighter out of, um, Pennsylvania and uh, we first started talking actually he wanted to talk to me about getting a career department there and you know, how that would operate it was he was so grounded you right. know he wasn't like these hyper ventilating kind of individuals of conversation he was really laid back and it was he took a lot of facts and made it and made a very judgmental call and everything so I've always respected him for that that's great um, but he was a big loss to that town you yeah. know he, he passed away about a month ago oh, so. I'm sorry to hear that yeah I'm sorry to lost your brother so, uh, so after after the volunteer fire department, uh, where did you go to the fire academy in, in uh, Piscataway? Right? I went to Piscataway. Um, I started in the fall of '92, but because my birthday landed on the weekend that we were supposed to do all the <laughs> yeah, so you already know where this is going. We we're able to use the saws and everything like that. Right, so right. Um, I was able to put the SCBA on it. Already had the practice on the training on it. So um, I remember my uh, instructor Coyote was like. We're gonna have a good day for you, kid. And I got beat up really bad that day. Awesome. Really, really bad. They <laughs> found the biggest guy in the, in the, I think it was on North Stelton. He had to weigh 300 pounds. And here I am like soaking wet, weighing like a one, I don't think it was like a 140 back then. And I'm trying to drag this guy out. And I'm hearing him laughing as I'm trying to drag yeah. him out of this maze. But it, 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 I, it didn't discourage me. I just wanted more and more of it. So, you know, I knew I was in the right spot. That's that, that's that buy-in. Yeah. You know, that's the, yes, that's a great that, way to put it. That hook, you know? Yep. So, you know, it's interesting that, uh, that you can recall all these events as a, as a young, as a young man going to the fire academy. Um, you're, you're obviously, um, an instructor now. Yes. So tell me how different it was then going to the fire school. What were some of your experiences? Were you kind of prepped a little bit because you knew it what was you were more? About? It was more hands-on than it was classroom. Right. I mean, we we certainly had our classroom. Um, just the hazmat chapter alone was one was one chapter. Right. Now it's several. You know, it's 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 a lot of dramatic differences between that. So just on the curriculum alone, it's expanded dramatically. I mean, I can't even. And just some of the things that we didn't talk about. Like I was down in Wildwood recently, and we never—I never thought in my lifetime I'd ever see body armor for firefighters. But now me that's neither. a reality. Yeah, me either. Now that's a reality. Now we have to consider that. So yeah. we're putting more and more weight on. Whereas back then, the, when I went from the Scott two A's, the things that weighed like thirty pounds. Oh, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know the, the elephant, elephant nose, and you had <laughs> we had to practice breathing through. Yeah, you put you know, the through the gear. Inside your, yeah. uh, inside your gear. Yeah. We had to here. learn that. Yep. We had to learn that. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we're showing our age, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so hip boots and long coats. I, so the next thing was um, uh, the SCBAs changed, so they got lighter, and that helped us. Yeah, I think that helped. But then we've started to add more and more weight. But you know, we're, we're dynamic. We const we're constantly in flux. There's, there's. I don't think you can even compare an academy now to five years ago. No, I agree. There's, there's, yeah. The curriculum changes that quickly, and it's good to see so much progression. Yeah, the science is there to back it up, which is even better. So there's a lot of more lab testing going on. And I think it's important, too, that um, individuals realize that you have to be careful where you're getting your training from. 
Yes. Especially now more than ever. Yes. Right? I mean, and I'm not, I'm not knocking any one specific, you know, platform, um, but you can go on YouTube and, yeah. and you can pretty much just type in anything, you know, sure. positive pressure ventilation, you know, you can, whatever it is you want to see. And you got 25 people explaining it, the same thing, but in different right. concepts. So which one do you pick, right? Yeah, you know, we were just talking about this yesterday in training because we do a lot of RIT for uh, Plainfield. And one of the things that I mentioned to the guys was, is, you know, there's multiple ways to train something, but the one that you're going to use is the one that you train the most on. Right. So, you know, there's 10 ways to cut an extra, you know, cut a car for extrication. But the one that you practice is the one. So whenever I had that conversation at the academies, you know, when we talk about cutting roofs and things like that, I just say to them, what's the one that you practice? If they don't have one, I said, well, let's pick one. And that's the one you're going to go with. Make it your SOP. But if you practice that, that's the one that you're going to always fall back on. And they're not all wrong. The, 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 the thing that worries me most about that situation, like I, I, I was 21 years old. I was asked to be an instructor. And I turned it down. And the reason being was I had three fires under my belt. Right. What am I going to teach someone? How are you going to stand in front of a group and say, oh, this is how you do it. And this is why you exactly. do it. Exactly. I can read the book and, and you know throw it back to them like verbal diarrhea, but it's not going to, there's no substance to it. Right. So I have no real life lesson to add to that. And I love that you said that because that's exactly how I feel. I mean, um, I have a long time on 27. So when I, yeah. when I look at an individual, I want to know who you are. Right. I want to know your history. I want to know your background. I want to know your experience. Credibility, trust. You might be a great public speaker. Right. You might be able to, you know, recite the whole book to me front and back. Yep. But if you haven't actually applied the, that knowledge that you're giving me, it's difficult for me to buy in. Right. And know? it shows up in the practicals. Absolutely. It'll show up in the practicals. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you mentioned, uh, so you mentioned North Plainfield. So here we are. Tell me a little bit about the way we operate here in North Plainfield. Well. Things have expanded quite a bit. Uh, we've experienced some growing pains over the last 15 years. Um, we're now, our, our maximum shift is captain, lieutenant, and four firefighters, and we have two full-time EMTs. Okay. That's on our best day. Um, sometimes we'll have a, uh, a, you know, three per diems during the daytime and two at night, maybe one or two at night. But for the most part, our full staff would be about 11 people, not counting the staff captain, the chief and the deputy chief. Yeah, so it's, you have a lot of supervision here, which is nice. Yes. Well, I mean, we needed that expanded control once we right. started putting more and more people on, especially with EMS, the more and more calls that we cover, you know, the, the captains were going to be inundated. So that I, I'm not speaking for the chief, but to me, it made sense. We needed lieutenants to fill in those roles. So I noticed that the, the pieces here say fire rescue. I mean, you're doing EMS too? We're doing EMS. Uh, at, the engine, as a matter of fact, uh, from yesterday and today, the truck went out even on uh, on an EMS call. Wow. Um, engine one went on like three, I think, this morning and two yesterday. Right. And since three o'clock this morning, we've been running EMS runs. Non-stop. Right? Non-stop. That's great. Keeps, non keeps people uh, busy. Yeah. I mean, right. we, we like the busy part. It's what, you know, if Sundays or things aren't that busy, you know, right. it, it, it kind of makes it the... It makes the shift long. Right, right, right. And, you know, so we, we try and break it up with some training in between, so it makes it more interesting. So how did the EMS come about? Well, that came on way before I started. Um, uh, it started during the, I think it started in 93, don't quote me on that, I okay. actually don't know. Um, might have been 93, 94, but they came on, they were doing, they were running steady day shifts, and the squad, um, in town couldn't handle the daytime calls, which is a common problem back all, in like all the 90s. Over Jersey, yep. All over Jersey. Yep. yep. So um, so they created the EMS part of our department and it expanded up. In fact, our patch changed. So we went from, uh, on this one, we went from regular North Plainfield Fire to Fire Rescue. Okay. Actually, I have a, um, a thing up in the captain's office explaining you know, the, the steps of when that happened. Oh, that's when we neat. changed yeah. over. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I think Captain Smith was the one that set that up. And uh, the, it, it has expanded when the, the mayor had done away with the, the local rescue squad to handle, we started taking over to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Also, oh, the mayor had something to do with that. The mayor, I believe, had a lot to, in, in, you know, forward progressive thinking. Yeah, that's good. Decided that, you know, I've already got a resource here. Why right. don't I expand that resource? And, you know, with the council's blessing and, you know, thankfully again, 
forward progressive council. We've moved on to this and it, it was a good symbiotic relationship and things have expanded. Right. And even the training, the people that we get in here, the they're better caliber of people that we have coming in. Yeah, I you know, I noticed right away that, you know, everyone's cleaning, checking equipment and listen, I know it's not just I'm here. This stuff happens right. all the time. You know? yep. uh, you can just tell it's a clean house. Yep. Well managed, everybody's you know, happy. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always something going yeah. on. Two engines sounds like it just got fired up. I know. That's good. Yeah, so if you notice this episode, the audio isn't as great. And uh, the reason is, is it's an old building. Yeah, well, the section that we're in is was uh, built about several years ago. The area where two engine is was beyond the back of this camera. That was built in 1937. That wow. was during, um, I believe they call it, it was a new deal. Uh, Roosevelt was giving out money, well, maybe not Roosevelt, but you know, yeah. everyone was, it was putting money back into the economy so that we could get America working again. Right. So what this firehouse, from what I was told, the original built in 1937, was the product of that. So it was a very simple plain Jane, uh, you know, firehouse, but right. I mean, it's our home. But it, I love it's it because it's, it's got, you know, it's got a lot of character. It does. You know, it I, does. I, I love brick. Brick makes that happen. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what it is. It's the uh, the, the brick and the stone. Everything and the pole hole. Looks sharp. Everybody yeah, loves the pole hole. Everyone loves that, yeah. I was actually in, in Passaic, and I I wanted to go down and so bad, but it just wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. It wasn't happening? <laughs> All these insurance. Insurance, this, insurance, uh, It takes away the life of fun of everything, really does. man. It's, it's, it's it, I probably would have broke my neck, though, so that's probably a good thing. I didn't do it. Though. And you only have to do it wrong once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so the fire department's doing EMS. I mean... That seems to be a trend now. A lot of it is. A lot of fire departments are going that way. Any students that I have in my academy, when they come through, if they want to, you know, I always, the first time I get a chance to talk to them, I sit them right in front, you know, so, you know, tell me why you're here, and kind of like how you opened up the show, and I kind of get a little feedback. And the two things I have to tell them is, if you don't have your EMT, get it. If you got your paramedic, great. Right. Um, you know, obviously you're going through fire one and fire two. Uh, for our academy, they go through fire one and two consecutively, so they get it all out of the way, which That's is good. nice. That's really good. Um, and you know, plus they have the pro boards and IFSAC, so they can, you know, whatever states that accept it, they're out there, which is great. That's progressive. Because of that, I explained to them, you know, everybody wants to be a career guy in New Jersey, but jobs just aren't there all the time. No. I said, but you know, it's difficult. Look south. Yep. And every single student of mine that has gone down south, including a couple of kids from green all that I explained to him. The last one I told him, I said, you need to get down south. Yeah. All of them picked up first shot. Awesome. Every time. Like the Carolinas? Uh, it was actually a lot uh, of companies from Carolinas Maryland, too. I think it was. Um, I think all these guys went to, the ones from green all, I think they all went to uh, Maryland. But some of them, yeah, some of them have yeah. gone to the Carolinas and picked up some work there. Yeah, if you're young and you got nothing holding you back, tying you down. Yeah, why, why not? Wouldn't, why, wouldn't why wouldn't you go? You know, yeah. All that experience. Yep. Nicer weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I was born on the wrong side of the yeah. continent. I woke up this morning, like it was 18 here. degrees. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. just no. And of course, the traffic is always fun too. That's that's a good time. Yeah, 287 is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Parkway's fun. Not really. Um, yeah. So uh, outside of the uh, EMS, the you have a Quint here. Yep. And uh, two engines. Two engines. And then we have three embos here. We have actually four in stock, but one of them okay. is, uh, you know, she's an old girl, so she's not holding together very good. And I, I wrote a lot of calls on that ambulance. Right. Um, but yeah, we've, we've, we've added a few new rigs to it. Um, one we got like as a corporation donation with Greenbrook, um, if that's even the best term for it. And then we just recently bought one, uh, you saw Rescue 505. Right, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's comfortable and it's actually more comfortable for the patient in the back. Right. which makes all the difference in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the old Rescue One, that thing was, you know, it's a tank. The only time that that thing, honestly, the only time that that thing was ever a smooth ride was when I had a 400-pound patient in the back of it. No kidding. You wouldn't think of putting that in any of these other Now, is that a bariatric rig now or no? No, it's not. Okay. No, it's not. We barely got that person in there, but yeah. you know, hopefully they're doing better. That was years and years <laughs> ago. But. Hopefully. So what, uh, what hospital do you go to? What facility transport? Well, we used to go to Muhlenberg all the time until they basically shut it down as an ER. So now it's more like a... That's where I was born. Oh, really? <laughs> hey, you know what? My mom used, uh, my mom used to... Um, she 
graduated from nursing school there, so well, who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe. she did a rotation maybe. in there. Who knows? Maybe she did. Um, most of the time now, it's and we used to call them just Somerville or Somerset Medical Center, but okay. it's Robert Wood Johnson, Somerset, oh, okay. right, right, Robert right. Wood Johnson, New right. Brunswick, and that's and in Somerset, right? This, this Somerville, town. Somerville, Somerville yes. yeah. And then we um, overlook, and then of course there's JFK out in Edison. So right, right. those are really the primary hospitals that we respond to. So. So how's it work? The tour, the tour, tour commander figures out who's doing EMS that day, who's on the engine, who's on the truck? Yeah, through a rotation. I mean, our, our assignments are the same pretty much all the time. You know, uh, I may take a call from if he's busy on something else. So we, we, we he likes to de uh, delegate a lot of um, work during the day. So it's really great working yeah, with him on that. That's great. I never know what I'm going to walk into every day, which is right. great. It changes things up too. It does. It yeah. does. It, the, you know, the, the routine kind of has a downplay on it. So I try and change it up. So we rotate the people through the apparatus. Um, and it keeps everyone sharp as to how they're driving. Some of these guys are, are way better drivers than I'll ever be. Right. No matter how hard I try, they're just really good. Joe being one of them. You need, you need, <laughs> you need those guys. Yeah. Right? When you have a chauffeur that's chauffeur. that good, yeah. it's just amazing. Uh, him, um, Mario, I was, unfortunately, he wasn't here with us. He was um, vacationing yesterday. But it, as a as as an officer, it makes your life that much easier. They don't. I don't think they understand how much better their you know my life is. Oh, I can just focus on the incident and not about all the other little stuff that comes up. You know, I, I'm in the seat too. So yeah, when you get off, the, when you're on the fire ground and you don't have to look back at the apparatus to make yes. sure you're getting water, make sure the truck's properly yes. placed. You know, yep. make sure you get the equipment you need. And, and you, a true chauffeur, you know, you are you have water before you're ready for it. Right. You know, um, and, and I've, I've worked with a couple of chauffeurs like that where you're you're at the knob, you're just waiting. And then well, I've also been with some chauffeurs where you have water before you even get to the knob. Yeah, that's and that's great. That's yeah. I, I, that's one of the things Captain Beatty said for me uh, when he had, we had the fire over on 22 for where Absolute used to be. Uh, you know, I would gauge how far they think they were going. If I didn't get a radio call, they were getting water no matter what. Yeah. You know, so they had, I gave them a little bit of time. Yeah. You know, what it would take, I think, for two guys to bring a hand line in there. You're getting your water now. It, it couldn't have worked out better. So when you have, when you work with people that long, you, you kind of complement each other really Absolutely. easily. Yeah. So, so you have three, three on the engine? Uh, yeah. At the very minimum, we try and keep at least three on the engine. Okay. And um, three on the truck or two on the truck? Most times it's two on the truck. So explain to the viewers, um, you know, because there's there's firefighters watching right now that maybe have six, yeah. eight firefighters on the rig. Explain. Uh, <laughs> now I understand it, but I, I love when other people talk. So explain how uh, how you do it with two. Well, let's we'll say like a room and contents bar. Room and contents. Um, Believe it or not, the quint's going to be dropping the supply line depending on where the hydrant is right. comparative to the structure. And then once we drop the supply line, we don't actually make the connection. We'll have either the rescue, you know, if they're, you know, have enough training. Like some of them are not firefighters, some of them are EMTs. Right. But we do utilize them when we can. And when you say rescue, just so everybody understands, it's the, ambulance. About the ambulance. Right? Yes, the ambulance. The BLS ambulance? Yes. Okay. Um, so they, they may make the connection for us. So, you know, it's a turning a valve. It's really not that difficult. Right. Um, we drop our supply line, and I'm essentially the backup and/or the OV at the same time right. for the the primary line. And we don't necessarily have a event team right. up until Plainfield shows up. Okay. So on a structure fire, we'll have an immediate general alarm with our with Somerset County on, on our communications with them. They're immediately calling Plainfield for us for an engine in the truck. So your first alarm assignment, Plainfield's coming. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I didn't know. That. Yeah. Yeah. They're, and they send a squad or they send an engine? They send an engine and a truck. Okay. Um, at the very minimum, we try and get their truck. Yeah. Um, and we put them right to work. We don't it's right here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you drove I, right I by passed, this morning. Yeah. As a matter of fact, on my way here, I passed a tower ladder there doing their equipment checks. Yep. yep. So I was like, wait a minute. We're <laughs> and we get a chance to work with them all the time. I mean, right. Some shifts get a chance. To, you know, I, we're really busy with inspections. Um, so we try and work with them as much as we can, but we're always seeing each other at least a dozen times each shift. Right, right. You know, uh, whether we're going over there, they're coming over here. So there's a lot of give and take as far as training is concerned. You know, building up a lot of trust, which is like half the battle. And you know, you know, listen, it takes a lifetime to build a good reputation and yeah. a minute to drop it, like get rid of it, or something like that. For them to trust us to do the RID operation, I know it's a boring setup, but. For them to be comfortable with you, 
to be able to be in that position because yeah. when it hits the fan, we're there, and I, I, I'm very happy that they trust us with that. Yeah, in my in my own in my own opinion, I just feel like you shouldn't even be considered for a red team unless you have at least a minimum of five years of firefighting experience. Yeah, there are a minimum. lot of people I've heard that before. You I know, agree. Yeah, like our our company, uh, we take it very seriously. We train twice a month on on just red outside of our other drills and you know, but we cover a lot of talents. For sure, and um, LBI, you said, yeah, we yeah. covered the island. That's and a I'll big you, area to cover, and and they rely on us. And they and, and there's and what I love about our company is when we get off the rig um, for a bit, there's no bullshit and there's no messing around, no horse playing. We're, everybody's in full gear. We're ready to go. Souls are started. Equipment's yep. ready. Tested. We're we're, we're ready. Yep. And uh, you know, people joke around, you know, call us garden gnomes and all like that. <laughs> um, but but you're right. When shit hits a fan, you need to make sure that you're ready to go. Yep. You need to be 100%, 100% of the time. There's yep. you know, no time for failure there. Yeah, and it's it, it's. I think it's more self-discipline to be in that role Absolutely. to do the rip because there's no glory in that. No. Until you're called. And, and then it's all you work. Hope, and you hope you're not called. And you hope you're never called. Right. right. That's the Absolutely. one assignment you don't want to do. Right. You know, that's, Absolutely. But it's difficult sometimes to, to get off the apparatus and be assigned as a rip team and you want to go to work. Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everyone you know, else is working. There's always a lot of stuff that we can do. I mean, uh, right. you know, we'll, we'll force gates, doors, things like that, that maybe the truck might have missed. Or right. blah, but we're setting ourselves up for success is what we're doing. Absolutely. So within the first five, ten minutes that we're there throwing up ladders, obviously, I mean, it's not going to look like Boston's job, but it's going to be right. it's going to be set up strategically for wherever they're working inside the building. And Boston's you know, got it together, man. Oh my God! They got it together. I, ladder companies. I, I think that's the only thing holding up the building is the ladders. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> now in Plainfield, there's a lot of uh, row, ho row houses, right? Row homes. Yeah, we have a lot of. Uh, I mean, we have a few small ones ourselves, like a couple on Grove Street, but they have a lot of common yeah. cockloft building right. issues. So with your that, exposures are huge. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, and we've had a couple of those. Um, in fact, the first fire I had with this one. Um, uh, what year was that? I was I was my first acting assignment. Okay. First structure fire as an acting assignment. Nice. First time I think this rig actually went to a working fire and was used as a bona fide truck. Um, uh, Kika was my driver and it was awesome. I, I'm too tall to see out the other side, but when we pulled up on the building, I was like, you know, just nose it in. And Phil looks at me and goes, uh-uh, we're backing this thing in so we can get the full reach. I, said, I trust you. Awesome. And I, again, working with him that long, I yep. knew that. And yep. he didn't steer me wrong at all. Set it up, brought my crew up. Um, uh, Pat Lenzone was actually a coleman here before he got hired on. So, you know, he was my go-to guy to get all the equipment up there, right. made our inspection hall. I mean, it just could not have been better. Yeah. It's just, and when you work with other departments and they trust you with that, yeah. that kind of job, it's And trust is, it's, it's great. It's difficult to earn. No, it is. And it only takes one shot to lose it, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and back to what you were saying before about having a, a really good chauffeur. Yes. Not everybody's doing that. No. Everybody's backing into your to your driveway no. or making you know what I mean. No, it's, yeah. it's, when, it's a skill. When I was running around, that's all I wanted to do because I knew that that would make me a better lieutenant right. or a better captain before they made the lieutenants. That's right, right. that's where I wanted to go, you know. And it, it it some of the guys that don't want to be officers, you know, I kind of look at the the senior guys as like the sergeants of the shift. Right. You know, they're they they have that command and respect from the as much as the officers, but it's just that common sense. You know, wise uh, attitude that they have that that their their words have weight and, and, and their should. common sense is and, great. And, yes. they, and they should. They yep. absolutely should. So, tell me your best experience so far in the fire service. What's your best? Best experience had to have been that first acting job. Okay. When I when I did that call, um, you know, I I mentioned to the chief that I was thinking about being an acting officer. You know, at that point, I you know I was running EMS all the time. Um, I was finally back on shifts. So I was learning to be you know, more of a shift guy than I was being steady days on the ambulance. And I was doing inspections, but I had done that for many years before. So that stuff was natural to me. But I was like, you know, I need something a little more challenging, something to, to, to bite into this time. So I said, you know, I want to try my hand at acting. And I didn't really know, and I wasn't going to jump in full force. You know, if it failed for me, so be it. If it didn't, right. at least I tried. And that's half, had the that. half the battle. It's just trying. Exactly. So when I when I got that job, there wasn't anything from the moment the alarm went off to the time I got on the radio and called us in service to the time I called us back in service. I loved every second of it, and awesome. it was 
stressfully challenging, but it was fun. Yeah. It was absolutely fun. That was probably one of my best days here. You know, it's funny that the more experience you get, the more fun it is. It is. Be because at the beginning, it's, like you just said, it was, I'm glad you said it. It's so stressful. Yes. Right? You have it's so good stress. Much, it's good stress. But yeah. You have so much going through your head. You're like, oh, okay, I need to check this. I need to check that. I got to watch my crew. I got to do this. There's so much going on. You know, you just, your head's constantly spinning. But the more jobs you get under your belt, you know, the more and more, the more comfortable you become. You'll hear the tone of the, um, of the operations from the individuals. So if you listen to the radios, if someone's calm on the radio, they either it's not that bad or they've been through a lot of these calls. Right. right. Uh, when I'm teaching classes uh, at, at Union County Fire and uh, we talk about radio communications, I always say to them, I said, the, the dispatcher really sets the tone for the entire operation. <laughs> I just said this the other day. So yeah, it, it really does. 100%. We had a, a fire on Washington Avenue. Um, my first fire was with Captain Smith um, long before he retired. I think it was like the first time I was on the shift. And the dispatcher, when he called over on the radio, I thought he was yawning. He was so relaxed. And we're all sitting there going, is, is he this for real? Job? Yeah, is this a real job? And sure enough, you know, the chief was the first one on scene. He was, yeah, we got working fire between division two and three. And I was like, whoa, okay, here we go. So going to work. we're going to work, yeah. And back then we were only riding with, I think, four people total yeah. on our best day. That, that's that's when you need to, everybody has to definitely be on the same page. Yeah. Especially yeah. running that short. I was pulling ceilings in a, in a plaster lath with a, with a halligan. <laughs> that was a tough job. You, only, you can only carry so many tools with it. I know. You know? Yeah. We had to force doors and make our way in with a line. That's so. great. So um, you became lieutenant. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, we had um, we had acting officers, and pretty much the, all the acting officers made lieutenant uh, positions. They they've all had at least three or four years' experience in there. So um, obviously, four platoons, four lieutenants. Right. Um, and when the, the last of the captains left, uh, uh, Captain Sadlon, after that was when they started making the lieutenants. And it, I think it's worked out. I, I worked on D platoon, then I got transferred to A, and I've been here since. And it's it's like it's it's great. I just go in. What assignments you got from me? Aside from inspections, I mean, right. I got all this stuff, you know. And even Captain Connolly, who was my first uh, platoon commander, and especially Captain Pongratz, it's you know, can I do this? Can I do this? Sure, no problem. You know, he, he's 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 willing to give me a little bit of you know some work, but right. he's not going to take it all away. You know, he's still the captain, but right. I, I like the fact that he's willing to give me the chance to at least step up and try a few things, which is fantastic. A real leader will always delegate. Sure. You know, if you harness everything, you know, that's not a good thing. Yeah, micromanaging gets nothing. It absolutely does not. It gets nothing at all. And it kills morale. It does. <laughs> it does. Think <laughs> of the experience that you're not having for your people behind, right. you right. know. And one of the biggest hurdles was, you know, quite a few jobs in Plainfield. So if a personnel is at a certain level, like six, we can actually send a lieutenant to Plainfield. Okay. Because they have to at least leave a driver back for the right, captain. Right. But bottom line is, is, you know, there's, again, the progressive attitude of the department. We can make this happen. And, you know, it's in just about everything that we do, we can see the push forward to make things better. So lieutenants are getting the experience that they need. Obviously, they're, they're likely to be the next captains. And that attrition is going to work really well for this department down the road. And it helps everybody else coming up underneath them. Sure. Not something to look forward to. Yep. So you, uh, when we had spoke, you told me about this incident you were involved in. Right? Oh, uh, the crash. The crash. Right. So yes. If you could, uh, if you could walk me, uh, walk me into that. Well, that one was back in 2006, May 8th, or March 8th, 2006. Um, we were. We were riding all day. That, that day was just stressful from the get-go. I mean, we were running all morning. I mean, from the time the tapper went off, I think we even had an alarm before the start of our shift. Um, barely ate lunch. I think we grabbed some cookies and sodas at Somerset, you know. And we were on our way back from our last, hopefully our last call. We left at 4 o'clock, and we got dispatched for an MVC. And at that time, you can't take 22. I mean, it's just a parking lot. Yeah. So... Joe being my driver, who I got hired with at the same time. Me and Cadell were um, hired the same day. And we're riding down through Middlesex, and we get the update that, you know, you need to step it up. This is a really bad call. 
So we're like, and Joe looked at each other like, oh God, this is not the way we want to end the day. So we responded as obviously as quickly as we could. Four engine was responding in to do an extrication, but we didn't really get much information on that. But what I pulled up on, you can never really prepare yourself for it. And I, I, you know, I've even talked to my students about this when we talk about the health and welfare for firefighters. But when we, when we got on location, seeing another officer trying to punch his way through a windshield, I mean, if that just doesn't get in the feels, you need to check your pulse. I mean, I, I yeah. to this day, I can still hear the glass breaking as he's punching, trying to get into this car to get to his brother. You know, that was that was the toughest the, the, the toughest scene I've ever pulled up on. And I, I've seen lots of bad calls. Not to say that you know any of them were you know someone may have died, and it, it's 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 a struggle but we right. accept those things you know right. we're, we're all adults we accept it you know we're, our time here is limited yep so i get off the rig and i said joe you know i hate to do this to i said but i could probably rma these kids on the side or refuse medical assistant you know because they looked like they were in pretty good shape as luck would have it one of the i think it was an atlantic ambulance was actually coming around i don't know if they were buffing the call or what but I just flagged them down. I snapped my finger and said, you guys are on duty for us right now. I said, you guys can take care of this. I got a trauma patient over here. And they were like, sure. You know, they're EMTs, they want to work too. So they came in, they took care of the patient for me. By the time I got over there, you know, they got the officer out of the car, um, brought it over. I remember looking at one of the medics who I worked with. He's, he was a grungy dude, always had like a, you know, never shaved, He was, he, but he was, a, he was a sharp medic. I learned a lot from him. And um, when you work with people that much, it's interesting that there's no non—you know—the the, non-verbal cues. We don't have to speak to each other. Right. We knew it was over. You could just look at somebody. Yeah. Not one word was said. So uh, brought him in the back of the ambulance. By that time, the chief of Wanchang Police Department, a sergeant, and the plainclothes officer put him in the rig. You know got him set up so he's you know professionally as we could and I just said to the chief I said our rig is now your rig and we as a rule you never pronounce anyone in the back of the ambulance but this day was over this was this was it for me right right stepped out of the ambulance I remember um, Sabrina one of our officers here she just got on not, not too long before that I made it to the outside of rescue one actually and I just remember you know she said you know are you okay and I said you know just waved her off I just collapsed. Just all my energy was just sucked out of me at that point. Yeah. No control over myself. You know, it's it, it's just I just fell apart. Just broke down. Just completely broke down. Just couldn't control anything. Just wave after wave after wave. I mean, it got a point. I, I, and this is how I made a uh, contact with Greenbrook. Um, there was a uh, I think he's a sergeant now, Goldstein. He came up and. Um, He's like, you know, do you want me to call your family or something like that? Like, it's just overwhelming the amount of support that you get from this. And Captain DiPaolo actually was, uh, you know, after we brought him in here and, you know, we did the exchange over with the morgue. And you so know, that, was, that was done here at the firehouse? Yeah, they, they backed him in and they, they moved him over to the next, uh, you know, uh, whatever, the morgue, whatever the morgue was going to use to transport. Obviously, I have to do an autopsy and all that stuff. Right. Um, but, you know, he was... It was all done in honors, so they moved them over to that. I, I, I was still just I couldn't control everything. So the Paul was by my side. Um, my union president was there. Whew. It was a tough day. It still is. It still it still beats you up a little bit. How how long ago was that? Twelve years. Yeah. So twelve, 12 years. years. Twelve years later, you're reliving it. Yeah. 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 And when I whenever I do the class. You know, we talk about CISD uh, in health and welfare in the uh, uh, the Delmar books or Jones and Bartlett rather. Um, you know, that was I stepped. That that was, I guess, more of me trying to get past that healing point. I shared it with them. I mean, I lost it then too, but it it showed the realism. There's nothing that can prepare you for no. that. Nope. That's that that right there is the line. When you have that one bad call, mm -hmm. it's either going to make or break you. Yep. And you're either going to be able to handle that or you're not. Yep. And when you don't, 
which I didn't handle it very well. You know, I just carried it along in the wrong way. Right. I was angry, bitter. You know, to me it seemed fine. You know, I I, I took a couple days. We did the CISD again. Chief, very progressive. You know, he said, "Don't even bother coming in tomorrow, but you're coming to the CISD." And I was like, "I'll be happy to go to that." You know, at the time I was doing taekwondo and martial arts so that that helped a little bit of the stress right. but there was always that background noise of just anger and I, I couldn't really place a finger on as to how i got that but i guess i just never thought that this was what caused that you know i never wanted to feel like that like i did that day i, I right. can't stress that enough i just didn't want to feel like that so anyone that was in my way i either went through them or around them um and you know this is the best time to bring up albert Albert was one of our best firefighters. Uh, he was the best guy to have as a mentor. Took everything that I learned, him and Captain Smith, when they took me under their wing on their platoon, said, okay, this is what you've been doing. This is how you're gonna do it, and try it out and see how it works. And they, they didn't just say it's because of when you do it, it's because we can show you that. Right. So there is that, that background that sticks to it. So albert as loving as a guy as he is and everybody knows him he's one of the funniest people he ever had the chance to work with uh you know it, it got to the point where he was like come on over here and he's like you know i love you but if you don't calm down he says i'm gonna take you out back and kill you <laughs> at that point i don't know what it was but snap okay i was like oh jesus yeah you know and then he's like take a few minutes we'll talk about it later and back and forth uh, it, it took a few more years, and one other person, Jessica, you know, she's a friend of mine for a long time. You know, I ruined that relationship, friendship, you know, because I, I just just didn't want to feel like that. Yeah. And it was, you never look, and it, I guess the bottom line that it should go, which I think when I look back at the episodes you have, especially with the chief uh, from South Wall, when you look back at yourself and you realize that you're the problem, yeah. And that's the hardest thing because it's easy for me and you to critique each other and yep. we can learn off each other real easy and fast. But to be able to see yourself as part of the problem, yeah. that's extremely difficult to do. Self-evaluation is difficult. Yes. yes. It really is. Yeah. So when I got that feedback from those two, I mean, Jess, she, fantastic person, still is. Uh, Albert, you know, unfortunately, we lost him a few years ago, but I take that with me. And I pass that on to whoever I think needs it, you know? Yeah, it's important. And, yeah, it is. And it's, it's once I realized that that was the issue and I could, pers you know, perspective is everything. Once I realized that was the problem, I was able to actually start bringing it in. They said I was bitter and angry to the people I work with here. And right. they all know. They all remember what I used to be like. You know, Joe always still jokes around and he's still, but, you know, those jabs are what I need to make sure they keep myself focused because they're my best resource. I can't lose them. Absolutely. I can't lose them. Family and friends the same way. And, and you know, you're, you discussed pulling up a scene of police officer who was killed in a crash. You know, we're all on the same page and definitely yeah. on the same team. And when you see, when you see something traumatic like that happen, yeah. you, you're going to feel that way. Yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, what, how important was it for you to talk to people about that incident and the, the crisis intervention team? How important was that to you for to attend? Well, one of the medics, I believe his name is Steve. I haven't seen him in a long time. I think he went on to be a, a, a doctor, but uh, he was a member of that CISD team. And I got to talking with him about it and I understood it a little bit more. But again, I brushed it off, just didn't really accept it as a problem. You know, Me too. And the Southwell thing, you know, it was yeah. uh, he was saying that, you know, he, he, he drank a lot. Well, yeah. I was more of a social drinker. Right. I never thought. And, I guess my own ignorance was, is, you know, it was always more of a drug or an alcohol issue, but it's not. It's a behavioral thing, too. Absolutely, yeah. It really is. So once I realized that, then, you know, and, you know, almost threatened to get beat up by this pit bull over here, <laughs> um, it, it, it brought me back to earth. And then I realized that, you know, it, it was me. And yeah, like you said, I just, you reach out to the right people. Once you realize what the problem is, you know who to talk to. And right. you also, surprisingly, you know, who you don't want to talk to, oh, yeah. people that need to be eliminated that are, you know, that negative to you. So, you know, it's, it's to this day, it's still work in progress, but yeah. it's, it's better than it ever was. Good and for I'm you. glad, I'm glad that they helped me out. You know, those are two great people. Yeah, two good great for people. You. And, and just, you know, uh, 
before I do this, I always do some research on my own. Okay. And everyone I've talked to all said the same about you. You're squared away cat, you know, <laughs> good guy. Looking forward to seeing you on, on film and all that. So Must whatever you're doing. my students that passed. Yeah, whatever you're doing, it's working. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate the feedback. The one uh, chief, or it was a deputy chief actually in Scotch Plains, they had set up an operation where they were pouring water through the side of the building without evacuating at first. They were setting up a deck on operation. And I ripped into them. And I felt bad about it. But then he comes back and he says, no. He says, you know what? He says, that's exactly what I needed. So, you know, it, I wish I had talked to him afterwards immediately about that instead right. of just like ripping into them. Yeah. There's a time to be a drill sergeant. There's a time to be Absolutely. an instructor. Absolutely. And, you know, he taught me that, you know, from that conversation. But, you know, he's like, that's what we needed. He says, I got to shock these guys into reality. And, you know, it, it's a give and take. I learn a lot from those from those crews also, too. That, you know, this isn't like uh, you have a bad day selling a tent. You know, yeah. People die here when you make mistakes. Yep. You know, and you, you have to be like that. That's important. I think it's extremely important to be like that. Yep. So I'm sorry to hear that you uh, had the experience that call. I'm glad to see you got out of it and that, you know, you're teaching others. And, and, uh, and that brings me to my next, uh, my next point. Ah. So you're an instructor at the Fire Academy. Yeah, Union County Fire Academy. I've been there since 07, I believe. Tell me what that's about for you. Well, like I said, I, I could have jumped into it back when I was 21. No experience behind it. Um, I respect that, by the way. Thank you. I, 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 I really do. I really do believe. Not too many people are going to turn it down. Right. And, you know, back then, I, I it probably would have been easier. I'm sure over the time I would have had the experience. But I was worried about the people that I would have been influenced back then. You know, what could I have said the wrong thing or say the, you know, whatever. I, I don't want to, I, I take that very seriously. Yeah. So I, I stayed out of it. I got as much experience in many different areas as I possibly can. So uh, fire official, fire, um, again, fire instructor, and also subcoat. So I got involved in all that stuff. So that's everything that I can pass on. So when we talk about fire alarm systems, as an example, whenever we do those classes and sprinkler systems, I inspected these things. You know, I was issuing red cards when they failed, and I know exactly why they failed and why they passed. That's awesome. So I, I had that knowledge, but right. could I have just said, you know, sprinkler system, wet system? You know, well, what's the difference between the wet system? You know, what's, system yeah. what's, what's the chamber up here? You know, it's the retard chamber. You know, it's, 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 there's a lot of meat to my conversation with the class, and the students can feel that way. I, I mentioned the uh, dean that hired me at the time. You know, he said that if you don't know what you're talking about, they will sniff it out very quickly. Even if they don't know nothing about the subject. Especially today. Especially today. Things can be vetted like that. Yes. And you just go to the Google. Yes. And I, I always, you know, anyone that I ever see that I read um, before the internet, you know, when we actually read magazines. Yeah. Remember that? I, yes. Yes, I do remember that. We still have some of those up there. Firehouse I think they're magazine. archives. Yeah. Fire Firehouse Magazine. Fire Engineering. <laughs> um, I, I, I would actually look up whatever information I could about those individuals and say, you know, okay, you know, Carter was one of them. He was a, uh, he was a battalion chief out of Newark. He was a guy with a bow tie. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. He had a lot of information, yeah. but then, you know, everyone has their, like I said, pros and cons, but his information was up to date. Right. So I respected the information that I got out of him. So at that point, uh, the chief, um, uh, chief Eaton was saying that, you know, or I'd asked him, would it be okay if, you know, I started doing some training here in classes? Absolutely. Again, progressive, forward thinking. And we got to the point where, you know, I was able to get the time that I needed in, went to some of the classes. I really liked it, really, really liked it more. Thought I just wanted to do the classroom stuff, but then I took the, uh, the, the safety class, okay. you know, to be able to do the live burns at DGI, they call it now. Right, right. And I was like, I, I, I dig this even more. Like now, I, you know, I want both. So we went through it and he submitted to the state. Next thing I know, I'm like, okay, I got it for here. Now, where am I going to get out? So one of my old mentors um, from back in college, an associate's degree from uh, Middlesex County for fire science, uh, Chief Canterman, I was his intern okay. at Merkin Company. So that was where I got my first draw for not only training, but also for fire prevention and right. education. Right. Brought me into that, and I, I had asked him, I said, you know, if you, if you can think of an academy where I could go, where would you go? He said, I think he'd be a, a decent fit for UCFA. So, phone call was made, I called him up, and it was uh, it was funny. The interview 
for that job was no different than this. We really? talked about calls. We must have talked for like two and a half hours. That's great. And just out of nowhere, uh, uh, Captain Modrag retired out of Linden. It's like, yeah, you know what? Reaches in his pocket, pile of keys, just stro- you know, rolls it across the table. <laughs> I think you'll fit in here. You can start next week. You know, you're gonna have to follow this one instructor. Oh, like, so I'm hired? He goes, yeah, you're hired. <laughs> well, you don't hear anything? And I was like, it's just the weirdest interview I've ever had. But it was intense because he wanted to know, you know, can yeah. I, you know, can I actually contribute to? And I didn't realize that it was all nonchalant talking, but there was, you know, did you oh, know they, about this? Oh, they like, were talking. They were listening. He, yes, he was. Yeah, he yes, was he was. So it, it was great. And that, that's it's actually almost a crime to work there. It really is. The people that I get to work with there, uh, Johnny Zyke, um, uh, Spina. Spina is like a legend. The guy, the guy's, I think he's like in his seventies. He runs circles around anybody. That's cool. I mean, he's just incredible. Wealth of knowledge. Lifer. Yeah. yeah that, that's that's definitely him. Um, uh, Tony Tiller, I think, still works there a couple times, and uh, Mark Chai, Mark Chai, our rescue guy, uh, and the list goes goes on and on. It, right. It's it's just great, and they've they've made me a better officer because of that. You know, when you walk in that door, you are the, their de facto officer for the time that they're there. You're their first, you know, supervisor right. when these students come in there. So, so it helped me a lot. Would you say it's for you? It's a passion more than a job. It, it is definitely a passion. Because I don't feel like I've worked when I go to the academy. I really don't. I may be tired and all that stuff, but I just feel like, you know, I gave I gave everything that I could, and I'm very satisfied with that. So there's certain people, you know, throughout the fire service, throughout their career, they say, you know, this is what I'm giving back. I'm giving back. Is this is this your give back? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it one of the drives actually was, you know, what happened with uh, Austin Alchanda. That 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 pushed me a little bit in that direction because. I needed something to direct some of that energy to. Right. So what would be a positive? I mean, I picked up guitar playing. Um, you know, we talked about before. I like to go to the range. It helps me relax a little bit, focus on certain things, and disappear from certain things. But the that really was my best, most positive outcome from all of that. Is I focused most of my energy into that. And I did as many classes as I possibly could just to get comfortable in it. So. What, uh, tell me some of the challenges that you face now as an instructor <laughs> in 2019. Uh, I'm going to need a drink for this one. <laughs> I mean, not that there's any challenges, right? There's no challenges now. Well, the challenge is mostly the attitude. Yeah. It really is. Um, and a secondhand story, probably the best time to tell this one. Um, there was a student who was getting critiqued by one of the instructors. Uh, again, they're all very fair individuals. And this student, whether being a wise ass or not, basically just raised his hand and said, and I think I remember who it was, but he raised his hand and was like, you know, uh, do we have any safe spaces here? <laughs> Wrong mistake to say that to one of these guys. He says, yes, sir, absolutely. He, he didn't say that. Uh, he asked, he asked, he says, do you have any safe spaces here? Just whether he's being wise or not, doesn't matter. The instructor not missing a beat said to him, it's on the other side of the fence. Go right ahead. Take a walk down the lower road. You'll be safe there for the rest of your life. So take that for what it's worth. Moral of the story is there is no safe space in this job. It just doesn't exist. No. There is no place to hide. No. There is, you know... If, if it takes you A to Z of your planning to get and Z fails, then that's what happens. You have to you have to learn to live with that. Right. And that, again, that's just there's not ulti- something you can learn in the textbooks. There's an ultimate end to this. Sure. If it happens. If it happens. I mean, how many brothers and sisters will be lost doing this job? Yeah. I mean, the turn of the century, well, not, you know, the, the eight, you know, 19th century, 20th century, they're losing thousands of firefighters. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, I was looking at the statistics with suicides. It's it's, it's mind-bending the amount of firefighters and, and police officers that were losing suicide. Listen, when I did that a podcast with uh, Tremor, Ray from Harrison, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't realize either. I, li- I literally sat like we are right now, yeah. and, and he's reading the facts to me, and I was completely blown away. I'm just sitting there trying to process what he just told me. You yeah, know? same. I was in the same boat. I, I had to watch it twice. Yeah, yeah. How, how how can that? How can it? First of all, how is this happening? Nobody knows about it. 
Well, I mean, the, the obvious answer, I don't know if, if you came to this conclusion, is it's it's not listed as a line of duty death. I know. So it doesn't fit that criteria, and that's part of the problem. I know. It's, it's a cultural issue. Yeah. And one of the great things about the fire services is we have a means, anytime we have a problem, so obesity was a big problem, cardiac being a problem, still is, but we're working on it. Seatbelts. We basically bastardize ourselves and saying, you need to do this and we make it a part of every routine that we do. So you saw the gym, you know, a couple guys here used to be a little heavier, in much better shape. I mean, better shape than me right now. I mean, it's, but everyone is working out. Everyone is doing it for the benefit of everyone around them, including yeah. the citizens. When we change the culture more than any code, more than any standard, the culture changes everything. And it has staying power. Yeah. People are almost guilted to not be a part of that group, which is great. And unfortunately, there's some people you have to guilt. To some get, people, you know. yeah. Some people you're just not going to get to. And right. unfortunately, that's. But I think being that health and safety is now such a big deal in so many yeah. chapters, with and you know, trained so hard, in, in, especially in New Jersey, that you're going to have those. I think that culture has a good footing. We have a good rooting system we, here. We that. do. I, I think things are definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, when you're bringing this CISD and oh, yeah. the mental health aspect yeah. to it, this is the rooting. You're yeah. you're really digging into the roots and you're yeah. laying out this foundation. So I, that was part of what drew me into this conversation was yeah. I, I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. And when we spoke, um, you know, when you were talking to me about the academy and it, Tell me some of the stories. I'm like, <laughs> I just had no idea that was even going on. Yeah, I, I well, I'll share a couple of them with you if you want to just Please, jump right no, into I, that. I, they, they absolutely want to hear this. The, I, the one student that I have nothing but respect for, again, I'm not going to say who he was, but uh, he, big dude. I mean, you, you, this is where you'd want this guy to be on. You want to be on the truck. He was right, a big guy. Right. Uh, he made two rungs up the ladder. Yelled a bunch of expletives. But obviously, I won't say on here. But he said, "Sir, I can't do this." Blah blah blah. blah. You know, squirted out a bunch of uh, expletives, and and I was like, "Okay." I was, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the drill sergeant here. I'm going to try and coerce him. I said, "Dude, we will do this together. I will do everything I can to get you up this ladder." He says, "I cannot do this." I respect him for that. Absolutely respect him for that. He understood that there is no. You may have to climb a ladder. Just because you're on an engine company doesn't mean you're going to walk away from a ladder. No, of course not. And these, these are all volunteers too. So you don't know what rig they're going to be on. So they don't know what jobs they're going to get assigned to all the time. So he understood that. To this day, a lot of respect for that kid. And then you have other kids. Did he bail out? He bailed out, yeah. He bailed out a long time right ago. Decision. I mean, right decision. Right decision for him. For I, don't, I don't know if he went anywhere else. You know, I, I don't really keep track of the students right. afterwards. But Either can he or had can't. the potential. Yeah, he had the potential. Right. Just that one hurdle, he just could not right. fear of heights, you know? And I, I totally understand that. The, <laughs> these kids. Uh, this one was directly with me. I, I dismissed the class. They had done a whole bunch of uh, uh, quizzes, and they were they were starting. One of the things I like about our academy is, is we, we quiz them just about every week uh, so, so yeah. that we can see that they're retaining. It's not just right. for the students, but we can also see we need to push a little more effort this way. They're failing on these subjects. It it, it gives us a good gauge as to how we're going to work right. our students. And it, it, it's it's a good teaching tool. But if they're doing so badly, they, they get dropped from the program. As they should. As they should. And they know this. Yeah. You know, everything's all up front. So I had about five students, maybe six that were not really doing so well. And they were complaining, just, I mean, anything they could complain about. Life isn't fair, the instructors were, were mean to them. Uh, it was, you know, uh, you know, instructor Reedman was rude and, you know, he raised his voice and I felt uncomfortable. And it just, it's, well, I, I raised my voice to you because you were gonna get yourself hurt and I'm, I'm not allowing that to happen. I don't mean so, to laugh. I just, it, but it's, it is. It's hindsight being twenty twenty. It is funny at the time. I didn't laugh. Believe yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Believe me. I'm sure he had. He got a couple of earfuls from me, but when they when they sat there and come, and I let them, you know, have their 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 say on it. They they talked for quite a bit. Well, we were there half an hour, and I just turned around and pointed to the sign behind. Me. I said, "Read that sign." You know, I said, "Read it together." So everything we do, we do together. 
So I read it and said, not everyone has what it takes to be a firefighter. I said, I have never failed one student at this academy. I said, you're given this amount of information. I, it's my job to get that information to you as quick as I possibly can and under the circumstances that I'm given with whatever tools that I have available. That's right. my job and I take my job very seriously. You never failed anybody, they failed never. themselves. They failed themselves and right. that's what they never noticed. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, kind of like what I had learned you know, through the officer passing away, but I always knew that for all the other training stuff. You know, you and I could take blunt, you know, uh, criticism yeah. because we know what the outcome is supposed to be. Right. They want the best for us. To me, it seems more and more students, not all of them, but a, a, a scary majority of them are getting to that point where it's like, you know, they're victimized by this. How are you victimized? I didn't ask you to join. You came because you think this was a calling. And that's when I start reminding them at the beginning of class. Yeah. You know, your father was it, you know, your, your grandfather, you know, whatever, you know, they, they were shoeing horses back then or what. They got involved in the process and you were sold on it and you, you didn't do it. Right. You, you, you lost it. You, you, you failed yourself. You didn't so, fail me. So there is a challenge. There is. There's a challenge. And it's going to be, I don't see it changing anytime soon. But again, no. that goes to the culture. I can't change their culture in less than three months or three months in a few weeks. I just can't. Without using names, and I know you can, but was there anybody you ever saw and you're like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way oh, yeah. they're making it through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you, they, and they, they present themselves literally on the first week. Right, right. You know, the first, uh, the, the first time that they do any training with the SCBA and donning and doffing and PPE training, you know right then and there that they're just not going to pick it up. Right. They're just not going to get it. And does anybody come to mind that um, impressed you in the academy? So one, one person that really just... Yeah, actually, hit. I saw him on a job in Plainfield about two years ago. Um, damn, I can't remember. He'll probably remember if he's watched, if he ever watches this, he'll probably remember. He's on Cranford. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I, I apologize, kid. I forget your name. Kid, he's bigger <laughs> than me. He can yeah. bench press a Volkswagen. <laughs> Um, but he'll know who I'm talking about because one, he's on Cranford, but he also met Clint Eastwood. So he knows, oh, so we if, talked about if that. If you met yeah. Clint Eastwood, then you're yes, the, you're the you guy. know it is. Great guy, great kid. I'm so happy that he got on Cranford. And right. there's, there's a payback that I get seeing that. When I saw him, you know, we were at the, the rehab station and I saw him there, I was like, I, I could not have been happier. Yeah, yeah. Could not have been happier. It just it just made and, my day. And that's what makes it all worth it. Yes. You know? Yes, it you does. You capture one even one person. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and then he's just gonna keep feeding that to the so it's it's a great spiral. It really absolutely. is. Yeah. Well listen, brother, it was absolutely wonderful talking to you. I had a great time. Man. I'm so glad I finally met you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I hope everything for the best for you, man. And, uh, I appreciate it. You know, please be safe, please be careful. I promise. So your daughter's watching, right? Yes, Lorelei. Good evening. How are you? <laughs> She, first time, see, Daddy gets on the YouTube before you do. Yeah, she was all excited, right? You told me how excited she was. She you. was. She was. She made pancakes for me this weekend. She did. So yeah, she's great. Oh, this weekend, I didn't see this any here. Yeah, well. it must have been this weekend. That's great. Yeah, That's I, great. I, 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 I really respect what you're doing and oh, I appreciate being here. You know, I just want you to know I support everything that you're pushing oh, through. Thank you. You really are setting the roots that are going to change the culture, and I appreciate everything uh, that you've I, done. I, I appreciate it very much. Coming from you, uh, it means a lot. Cool. So, so here we are. We are at episode nine here in North Plainfield. I had a, had a good time. I got to meet uh, some of the family here, which was really nice. Yeah. Got to see white fire trucks. Which yes. Is, which is yes. different. We're it's unique. Different. Yeah, it's unique. And a lot of talent in this firehouse. Actually, I think Ray Trammer from uh, Harrison, he trademarked unique because oh, he, he said it so much in his episode. <laughs> Did he really? Yes, that the guy go back into account. Yeah, the guys on the, in his house were uh, they, they, that's what they call him now. Oh, unique, right? So I got I got <laughs> I guess I owe him a dollar or something. <laughs>